Now we're live. Okay. All right. All right, man. Hey. You know, I'm never going to get used to this. Like, I just never know if you can go live anything, any second. All you got to do is watch for us to show up on screen, and we're live. There's music that we've we've got music that rolls in the front now. We've got a graphic. I mean, I don't hear any music. Oh, you don't have to, but they do. Yeah. All Good right. For the podcast. All right. Well, it's fake music. It's not real. <laughs> All right. Cool. Uh, today, man, we're just uh, decided to, I mean, we stole, like, you know, today's topic kind of like... Oh, uh, yeah, we were supposed to talk about water changes, but... Yeah, I don't know. I finished the water change episode this morning, though, so that's good news. Or I didn't finish it. I did my end. Poor Dave over here uh, has to finish it all, like, 40 minutes of water changes by Friday. Ten yeah, pages on water changes. I know. Somebody said in the last episode, uh, or on Friday's Live, that poor Dave, he doesn't think he's going to make it. Uh, I don't <laughs> he know, said he doesn't think he's going to stay long. poor Dave or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, hey, man, if we are, I'm really sorry. I never meant to be so awful. All right. So, hey, we're going to start off today. We got, like, uh, you know, just a few minutes, so we'll do our normal thing. We're going to give away some orders. We're, uh, I mean, because why not? Yeah. We'll give away the orders, and we'll also give away, well, yeah, there's a cart in here, too. There's so, a cart. Uh, orders if and you're cart. a preferred reefer and you have stuff in your cart, and, or if you have stuff in your, uh, or last you Last 30 stuff, days, yeah. yeah, if you ordered a What happened order. that last week on Friday? There was somebody who had stuff in a cart that you missed up on. I'm... Apparently, I didn't see a shopping cart with a number next to it, so I just pulled his, like, $70 order. Um, mm. But then he, he called us out, and I went and looked, and he absolutely had, like, over over 500 well over 500 in his shopping cart. And mm. so we ended up giving him 500 in BRS Rewards Points credit. Ah, so. all right. Well, so, hey, man, guy bought <laughs> 70 bucks for this stuff, but he actually had stuff in his cart, so yeah. he got the 500 bucks. But well, I got a cart this time. I mean, Bob over in finance probably super mad, but, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> all right, so uh, Chris here. I got uh, Chris uh, Rapole from uh, Ashburn, Virginia. He's getting a uh, male MPT nipple, uh, some reverse osmosis canisters, mm. uh, an O-ring, some Dow lubricant, oh. a uh, Murloc check valve, and uh, some uh, premium ro.save.z RO sediment filters. It's built in like an RO system or water filtration system. Se- okay, this thing is second day air too, man. Like, what does he think he's building this so quick? I don't know. Okay, you got It's se- just sediment filters and then canisters? You know oh. what I think he's doing? Huh? Filtering I, a pool. No, man. I oh. think he's going to build like a seven stage unit out of like a five stage. That's pretty cool. Or like a, you know, a. You know, a six out of a four. So if you add two the sediment filters and stuff yeah. beforehand, yeah. then you can just add stuff. I did All right, bravo, man. Sixty-four dollars uh, going back to your accounts. You can go buy some other. Maybe we go eight stages. All right. All right. <laughs> stages are limited. I think I had. I think my max amount of stage at home by the time I was all. I had two sediment filters, two carbon blocks, two RO uh, membranes, four or five stages of DI resin because I was really lazy and didn't want to change it very often. Uh, so I think by the end I had about like eight or nine stage. They have meetings for you, RO junkies. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, you don't need a lazy <laughs> reefers. <laughs> All right, so we got uh, Hung Fam from Arlington, uh, Virginia. Uh, Eighty-four bucks here. Uh, or no, 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 no. Eighty-nine because he spent five dollars and thirty-eight cents in reward points already. So it's going back. This says a uh, quarter-inch acrylic tube, uh, BRS two-part uh, top-off doser replacement tubes. Changing out the tube on that. Nice. Some IC gel uh, uh, super glue. Some pharma soda ash, some pharma calcium chloride, and some pharma uh, magnesium mix. Cool. So, bra- bravo, man. $89. You go buy something new. Seven or eight stages, I guess. You could go <laughs> learn from this guy. All right. Uh, oh, cool, man. Cool. Yeah, that's so, a good one. I don't know. Well, so this one right here, man, Jeff uh, Kirch from 
from Fort Lauderdale. Uh, you know what you're getting is from your cart, man. A CO2 regulator and solenoid kit from Tunes. Nice. All right, man, that's $202. So uh, that is both the regulator and uh, the solenoid. So uh, you can turn it on and off. Somebody's been watching our calcium reactor stuff. Yeah, I bet. More to come about uh, calcium Maybe he's replacing stuff. that old Milwaukee one. You used to have some cheap Milwaukee ones. They're cheap. Those Tunesy they were ones cheap. are pretty nice. Yeah, they are, well, uh, you know what? Uh, actually, the one that comes with the solenoid as a kit is because we were in uh, Interzoo and Zach uh, was pressure and poor Roger over there to give us a kit. Oh, last year's, 2018's yep, yep. yep, he's oh, twisting yeah. his arm saying, man, we want a kit. We want a better one because we got rid of the Milwaukee thing. Cool. So, uh, awesome, man. Awesome. So, uh, what are we talking about today? Uh, well, we decided on talking about ULM. Yeah, so. okay. So, that kind of came up in uh, uh, the water change episode, man, because we talked a lot about water changes in a little bit of a different light last mm -hmm. year. And, uh, you know, things like kind of ebb and flow in the hobby, man, and I hate to, like, like U-turn directions. And I don't think we did, did that, but when we're learning stuff new every day, you know, trying to find new things and, you know, describe them to the best of our ability. Well, I think the it's called tank. So we called the series ULM Tank Trials because it's what it was, what it was uh, founded on was taking the BRS TV investigates and what we learned from it and then implementing it in a real, real world, like, uh, reef tank situation. So the ULM was like the first, one of the first stages of a tank trial where we put, I think we mostly it was like Cato and from feeding off of what we learned on the 160 too. Yeah, so, so yeah. I mean, can't like, fault us for, you know, learning more stuff about a tank trial, but and well, tank we trial learned definitely, some stuff for We sure. learned that from the beginning. We definitely learned like failures, successes, and I got some good <laughs> stuff come out of it, some bad stuff. Yeah. Uh, I want to just like share like real quick though, like where that kind of came from. And so for me, you know, water change has always been a foundation of a successful reef tank mm. and like a high percentile, you know, way to be successful. There's other ways, but like try to share the things that are most likely to see, you know, uh, achieve success for the most people. Yeah. And, you know, I was introduced to that uh, Triton method, man, like, I don't know, must have been seven, eight years ago. It was mm -hmm. a really long time ago. They, they had their first, you know, uh, inner zoo booth in Germany and... I just, it didn't connect for me, you know, like no water changes, I don't get it. And, uh, you know, the more and more you like kind of go through it and I sat through guys' seminar and stuff and, you know, like, hey, you know what, man, if you have a way to prove that the water's good, why replace the good water with good water? True. You know, and that was like really yeah. the big pitch, right? Like, I don't know, man, I don't have a good reason as to why, you know, if you can show me like definitively that, hey, this water is awesome, man, why would I replace it? Yeah. So we stopped. So we did it on the BRS-160 here. We were doing 10% water changes and then we stopped doing them and we did the uh, Triton method on it. Full on Triton. So yep. we were sending a test in every month, once a month at the beginning of the month, I'd send a test in, we'd get the results back and we'd implement them to the best that I could. Yeah, so. yeah the best that you could, <laughs> man, is actually the good part of that whole thing. Because, yeah. you know, the nature of part of why it started to sound so good to me, uh, and a lot of what we see here is, man, is honestly like stuff that really registers with me because, you know, I'm the host. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the thing about me, man, is, uh, you know, as a partial owner of bulk resupply and, you know, leader of the company, man, I wear a lot of hats here and I'm like pulled in every Easy. possible direction <laughs> and it's absolute insanity here sometimes. Uh -huh. And so like, uh, I'm pushing seven days a week, you know, by seven days a week, that means I wake up at 6 a.m. and somehow like try to like uh, entertain my kids and write scripts all the way till noon. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I do on Saturday and Sundays for anybody who wants to know my amazingly boring life. <laughs> and uh, then I work five days a week, week here, man, and uh, you know, try to uh, have a good family life uh, past noon yeah. uh, on the weekends. 
and so you know i'm already max so like a little bit of free time i get uh, like water changes like are, are high up my list right right you know like where i'm gonna spend that free time mm -hmm. and so i also don't got time here man so like the promise of this was so compelling right and then mm -hmm. we did it here and it absolutely worked like hey man awesome man no water changes here you know like uh we're just doing these test kits it tells us every once in a while to do one mm -hmm. and this is what i found from it is absolutely worked the promise is real however uh you, you get lazy man like you know somewhere along the line like uh, i forgot a test kit like you didn't send right. one in one, one, one year uh -huh. or or like you sent it in but like we didn't even bother to like look at it when, right you know sometimes you know and so and they would say do four ten percent water changes and man four you know like uh so you would, would maybe do two of them whatever and the problem is is like the system totally works when you follow it as design and don't be surprised when it doesn't like yeah. uh when you don't follow it like we'd see, you know, some corals get paling out, some of them are losing tissue, once in a while coral die. And I think, you know, people kind of get accustomed to the fact that, like, hey, my corals just sometimes die in the tank. Well, yeah, that's probably part of, you know, mm -hmm. everybody's journey, but we can reduce that, you know, and in this case, it was, if you're not gonna do the water changes, listen to the damn test kit, yeah. you know? And uh, more importantly, not the test kit, but the report that you get back. Right. So. You know, I don't know. Like, what did you end up with? I think, uh, you know, my biggest takeaway from from the Triton is it, I could have the more uh, at the time. The, so the, so you, you get the report back and it's like, hey, do a water change, you know, uh, 10 percent, four, 10 percent water changes. Well, that's like four, once a week. So a 10 percent once a week. So uh, now I've got the now I'm committed to a water change every every week for that month and then I send in another test and probably the next test would be back like I don't need to do anything maybe I can take a month off of water changes because I'm only testing once a month but I think uh, had we had the auto water change system hooked up already to where it's just push button manual like there's two different choices with the you know we do it off the Neptune dose so there's hey do a continuous water change change this much every every day for you know 100% or however many percent in a month or walk up push the feed button and then walk away and it'll do like a 30 gallon water change so if we had that implemented with a storage tank it probably the like the whole thing every time Triton said do a 10% and I all I had to do is push a feed mode then that would have been much easier than dragging out the hoses and pulling down the buckets and mixing yeah. the salt so so this is where I'm at with this. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anybody who's been sold on the Triton, uh, you know, system, it absolutely works. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, send in the test kits, test kits, do the test uh, when it says, and you will have success. Uh, uh, the part about it is, is you just have to decide whether or not sending those test kits uh, is, uh, you know, easier work yeah. than just doing the darn water changes to begin with, mm, right? True. Like, I, I, I don't, I think that question is gonna be different for everybody. Cost on this is like almost, you know, depending on the size of the tank, but it, I don't think cost of the test kit versus the water change is like relevant to most people. Uh, you know, like at this size tank, man, the 10 bucks a month that it's gonna end up one way or the other, like yeah. doesn't, isn't gonna drive the decision. Mm -hmm. You might on a really small tank, uh, but like the cost isn't the thing. It's really the amount of work here. And you know, I was actually just talking to Terrence uh, over at uh, uh, Neptune like a minute ago, mm. you know, I guess 10 minutes ago, about this thing. And you know, I told him, and like, I think, you know, one of the things that we might like kind of adjust our, our angle on this and, you know, to share with people is, hey man, the water change thing is a part of this thing. It's an option, man. You can definitely remove the water changes. 
But if I had to, like, after all these years now, like, really kind of experimenting with it and, and knowing how it works, if I had a better way to describe it, mm. I think I'd say this. I think I'd say that the Triton method is a method of a really awesome four-part design for refugium use. End of story. So, like, it's designed to replace all kinds of stuff in there that you use when you use a refugium. And, you know, if you want to, you can do water changes in conjunction with it. Mm -hmm. Or you can use the test kits to tell you what to do water changes. And for me personally, I think it's just easier to just set up an auto water change system uh, and use, like, four of these test kits to buy a dose instead. Right. And uh, just set up an auto water change. And I just don't have to worry about when the dude water changes. Maybe I'll send in one of those tests uh, like every six months or something, just make sure everything is totally out of whack. Right. But really, I think it's just the Triton is just like a four part, you know, that, you know, water changes is part of the like sexy part of the pitch. Mm-hmm. But, you know, really, like it's optional, man. You could just actually do the water change, skip the test kits and use the Austin four part. Right. So moving on. How's that feed into the ULM? So we went on to the ULM after that. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, hey, we were having success at this point, right? And like, With a two-year, two-and-a-half-year mature stable tank that we implemented on the BRS-160, mm-hmm. now let's go replicate on three brand-new tanks. So there's a reason why we called it t- Tank Trials, man. Right. This wasn't BRS-160 telling you how to do all this stuff. Man. Right. It was definitely like, hey, man, we're going to kind of try to develop some stuff, and we'll see how this pans out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Uh, do the best of our ability man we'll debate all this merits of the stuff every episode and then like try to pick the best of our ability and you know for me you know hey i wanted to do three tanks in my office it was super fun mm-hmm. and uh but i don't want three more water changes in my life you right. know and like three more things of maintenance and stuff and so like hey when we're gonna go after this like a normal human being like you got three tanks yeah. you know some of us man have overwhelming amounts of free time and uh some of us don't you know, and so like, and there's a balance in there. And, and you, to be honest, man, there are definitely about six months of the year that I have time to do the water changes, mm-hmm. and then there's about six times months, uh, six months of the year that I don't. You know, and they're usually not licked. They're usually like fall <laughs> and spring, middle of winter. I'm jamming here. Yeah. Middle of summer, I'm eating barbecue. You know, like I'm on the boat fishing and stuff. So it's actually spring and fall where I have the time. And you know, in the winter, man, like I I work enormous amounts of hours, and in the summer, uh, like. If you don't have fun in Minnesota in the summer, man, you should move, you know, because it's the only time they could possibly enjoy your life. So, hey, man, we're going to do these ULMs. And so, you know, we implemented them, we set them up, and I'm going to let you use your words uh, on what happened with each three of them. Well, okay, so we... Because you and I debated these topics on, we went through every single episode. Like, what's what is ULM filtration? What is ULM even tank choice? What is ULM lighting choice? And we went through all of it together, uh, and debated it in your office. So the the softy tank was set up uh, with it was the only one with the auto water change at the time when From we first beginning. set it up, no. and that was just because we we don't need to really worry about alkalinity and calcium with this tank because uh, they don't build skeletal structure. They the demand is super low. And water change will probably get it done. Plus, you're not lugging buckets, so turn it into an auto water change. Uh, trace and minor elements are probably replenished to some degree with that one, too. Uh, so this one should just be a skimmer, a couple return pumps for redundancy, and an auto water change system, and we're done on auto top Cheapest, off. like not the uh, yeah. cheapest, but like almost the cheapest pumps that you can find that yeah. are reliable. Use two of them in case one of them goes down. 
that we use the 20 gallon long uh, tank that a lot of people turn into sumps on their own DIY sump. So, so like the lowest cost CHA uh, driven skimmer with the somatic, You're right. super, super cheap. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just a 20 gallon long sump in there with that, that a baffle, baffle yeah. homemade baffle, yeah. like not expensive at all. So we also tried. I, we also tried on uh, originally on all three tanks, uh, refugium right off the bat because mm -hmm. uh, I remember pulling a bunch of nasty Cato soup is what I would call it uh, from the middle of each one of them because it just didn't take off. I don't know if available nutrients or what it was. It just didn't take off from initially. Plus we had the three H380s on there, which for that small a footprint in the sump, I, I don't know if that was a the right it was choice. Close. It was it was pretty yeah. hardcore, but. Uh, yeah, I mean that's what. So the softies tank started with that, with just the auto water change and learn feeding off of what we learned from the SPS dominant system with the 160. Uh, then we said all we need for the uh, SPS tank for ULM SPS tank uh, was just a refugium, uh, and then we'll do Triton. I think we were planning on doing some Triton with that one. There oh, wasn't yeah, an auto water change in put in there. There was no skimmer. Well, no, we put a recirculating skimmer on. Oh, on the outside, you're right. Yeah, yep. so we put a recirculating skimmer on. We had a, a refugium on that one, and that was going to be the that was going to be We're going to do water changes all. as test kit told as us As test to. kit called, yeah, exactly. And then the, uh, and pretty much the same thing with the LPS. Oh, we had a caulk uh, stirrer on both tanks, but eventually we were going to upgrade the uh, SPS tank to a calcium reactor as the demand grew. Uh, and then the LPS tank, we were just gonna leave uh, on a caulk stirrer because that should have, been, should have been more enough to keep up with it. But the LPS tank was kind of the same thing there. We had a refugium in there and that was basically it. And uh, that's what we were gonna run with. So what would you call on a scale of success to like 10 level, couldn't have been better, zero total failure, yeah. the uh, uh, softy and polyp tank? Softy tank, uh, I'm at a solid eight, eight, nine with that one. Mm -hmm. Eight and a half, nine. I don't think you need to do much more. I, we followed the trends of alkalinity on that one, and it did, it did fall faster than what I thought. But no, nah, I mean that's, you know, there's a. Uh, we did end up putting dosing pump or doser or doser on that one. Yeah. Uh, eventually. Yeah. But <laughs> no, I'd say I'd give the softy an eight or nine for sure. SPS uh, tank that works. Uh, <laughs> Well, we'll start with the LPS tank, which I'll give oh, the no, higher. Oh no, let's go straight to the failure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the SPS tank, uh, if it's any consolation, it's in my office now with fresh water running in it, so I can clean it out and restart it. Yeah. Um, so complete failure. Uh, one, we well, we there's valuable lessons that we learned from it. Lessons, so, great. Uh, success, uh, man, zero. Yeah, Negative so I'd give it a, a, a one for the lessons that we learned, but success rate, yeah, zero, absolutely. And LPS tank. You know, LPS we. Uh, we probably should, we could have let that one mature a little longer. I think that would have probably led to less more coral mortality that we saw in there. Because the original corals that we put in there, what was the what was the uh, the survival rate? Probably twenty thirty like, percent. Yeah, twenty thirty percent. I mean, some of the big meaty LPSs, you know, uh, your uh, blastos and you know, your acans and things like that, and the favias, they held up pretty well. Uh, but a lot of it just kind of went. All the all the Duncans, Euphilias, everything kind of just fell apart. All but, right. So success rate on the LPS tank? Yeah, probably like a four, five. So hey, man, this is awesome actually because you guys get to watch our failure instead of having yourself, and yeah. uh, now we get to tell you where this failed. You know, like where did this go wrong and right. where did it go right? Uh, mm -hmm. And you know, for me, like. I mean, we can show you all the things that do, you know, go awesome all the time, and you know, those great. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I want to emulate success just as much as the rest of you. Mm -hmm. uh, but, like, also the things that fail. 
you know, the things that like go wrong are even more valuable. Like, don't do that. This is stupid. Yeah. You know, this like, like it look good on paper in action, <laughs> man. This is terribly dumb. Right. Uh, and like, <laughs> you know, part of that is that like, there's just so, you know, many unknowns in a reef tank mm -hmm. that like. I guess for me, the test kit doesn't get to the bottom of. Uh, I have the microscope didn't get to the bottom of. Mm. Uh, like you know, we went and looked for pests in the SPS tank. Oh, we yeah, sent we in did. the test kits. Everything was spot on. Mm -hmm. You know, like we went through you know everything, man, and like just couldn't figure out why right. everything was dying in the SPS tank. And in a normal environment, I would have actually just stripped all the corals out there and put them in a healthy tank. But yeah. like what we need to do is uh, I need to find the, you know, the end game, the, the cause here. Right. And I need to be able to share it with you guys. If I just, you know, saved everything artificially, uh, you know. And you we know. didn't find anything. No, no bugs. So no. this is what I, I'll share, man, is I'm going to start with the success and what I learned first about the success, right? So the softy and polyp success, like, mm -hmm. You know, if you're thinking about a low maintenance tank, uh, like I want to have a tank that doesn't rule my life mm -hmm. and that still looks awesome. It still looks awesome. I wish we had a shot of it. Maybe no, we, Dave's maybe got you. some footage oh, here. up here. Show the uh, this one. Is this like as of today or recently? This was from the, oh, the okay. end of the ULM series, probably. Oh, okay. Well, today, man. This, oh, okay. No, not that one. Uh, uh, so oh, he didn't have time to shoot it. So actually, if you go to my Instagram account, oh, yeah, uh, you, you can recently see it. Like the thing is stuff. covered 100% in uh, the zoanthids yeah. and the softies. Like you can't even see the rock work anymore. Uh, wish we had it. Oh, well. Uh, but like uh, uh, if you go to my Instagram or my Facebook account, you can definitely see it. Uh, and <clears throat> so this tank, man, is if I want to have a, you know, ultra low maintenance tank, well, you know what? The easiest way to do that mm. is have ultra low maintenance corals. That's true. Right? Like <laughs> yeah. corals that don't require a whole hell of a lot. Right? You know, and there was also something to be said about our fish choice, the utilitarian type fish uh, in most cases with the tangs and with the, yeah. yeah, so low maintenance, I guess you could say fish, but awesome looking fish too. Well, and the re result, man, is if you want to have a super easy to care for tank, man, a softy and polyp tank is a super, super awesome one, man. Mm -hmm. Like, the only thing we do to this thing yeah. is clean the glass every now and then. Uh, we uh, There's a one part in there, mm -hmm. which is the Tropic Marin uh, Alpha, Alpha Reef, Reef yeah. right? I dose like 18 milliliters a day or something. So like one bottle lasts for like, you know, ever. Yeah. And uh, so like, I, I don't even know how, how, I don't know if I've ever even changed it out yet. <laughs> yeah, it, it lasts forever. I think I put two of them in uh, one of the Neptune dose things. Hmm. And uh, so it lasts forever. I have the out of water change thing, that, you know, it comes out of a big, you know, vat in the back. And yeah. well, you clean out the skimmer once in a while. Like, there's nothing, man. Like, this, this, really this tank just thrives and has absolutely, you know, no uh, work involved with it. And like, if this is the kind of thing that you're looking for in your life, man, awesome. Then, like stark contrast to that is the SPS tank. These are just not corals, man, that are like, these are more sensitive, uh, you know, harder to keep, right. uh, chemistry, you need to pay attention, you need to test, uh, you know, on occasion, you know, uh, less so in the end and more so in the beginning. Yeah, that's, that's like, a major point for sure. It's like, yeah, your little, your tank full of little frags are probably more fragile and prone to, you know, 
failing than in your entire, you know, your full, large, super big colony. Yeah, you've been doing it so right that they've grown to that big colony, then yeah. like scale back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So like what I just say, man, is those things don't even belong in the same conversation, man. Like there are ways that I can make my SPS dominate tank More lower yellow. maintenance. Right. But like going into it with mentality of ultra low maintenance is a wrong move. Yeah. And like that just is, is like uh, stupid. Man, yeah. like it, it just was a wrong move. We got a little excited that it was working here in, in this tank and like, hey man, let's go launch it that way. And that's the other part I think I, think I figured out here too is that like doing water change, test-based water changes from day one. Yeah. Uh, stupid also, <laughs> man. Like uh, you should, you know, work your way towards that. And so that's why I think in here, uh, this tank did really well with it because we were already, you mm -hmm. know, on a three year successful tank. And we mm -hmm. kind of scaled it over. And then also that's why the softy one works so well is because it was on 3% daily water changes from day one. Yeah. And so sure. the tank was just awesome from day one, mm -hmm. you know, and the water changes was like that ultimate stabilizer and handicap that got us there, right? You know, I think this speaks also to like the approach that we're taking with the WWC or the BRS WWC series, uh, specifically about those SPS tanks. Is uh, you know rather than uh, rather than just jumping into an SPS tank, you know, thinking it's going to be ultra low maintenance. We're now with this SPS tank that we're building, the 750 XXL, we're actually uh, increasing our chances of that success with an like the four month cycle, waiting for signs of calcareous algae to grow. So that way we know before we throw a bunch of sticks in it, like this thing is ready for sticks. Yeah, dude, like test corals, calcareous yeah, algae, yeah. that absolutely, man. something so, we didn't do with the ULM SPS. We, no, we, we let it uh, run for about a month or two and then threw, no, it I think it was a it. few months, but like it, it was, it, we didn't test it for, right. for that. And the LPS tank, same thing, man. It's just like an unstable environment in a brand new tank. And we tried to, you know, test, do test water changes or test based water changes. And I'm pretty certain that if we had put that tank on uh, uh, automatic water changes from the beginning, uh, or just did the water changes manually from yeah. the beginning, uh, we would be, that one would have been successful as well. Yeah. Uh, and it is now that it's on water, auto water changes. So like, you know, I, I guess I would say at the end of this, man, is the, the biggest piece of, you know, a, a low maintenance tank yeah. is actually out of water changes. Hmm. Because uh, at the end of the day, man, like the water changes themselves are like the ultimate stabilizer, man. Like right. it, you know, stops all kinds of things from building up. Right. It replaces all kinds of things that uh, are yeah. depleting. Not like 100%. But like it's it, gradual, it stops anything from getting totally out of whack. Right. Man. Like the stuff that's getting on there from your hands, it's eliminating those things mm -hmm. and it works universally, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, I'll just say that like, there's all kinds of problems that replacing 3% of the water every day mm -hmm. just completely solves. And you'll never even know why you avoided them uh, because you just never did. Yeah. You know, you just totally avoided all of it. And so I guess, man, that's, that's what I'd say is like, if I really want an ultra low maintenance tank, you know, one of the higher percentile ways to achieve it is to automate the water change or at minimum like make it a lot easier so that you can do it yourself you know yeah like uh well i mean there's it, having things like these 
Flowmaster hose reels to mm -hmm. drain the tank, you know, versus before I'm, I've got my, my Python hose over the top of the tank. I'm drawing out, I'm filling up five gallon buckets. I'm probably walking away and forgetting that I'm filling them and the floor water's going everywhere. We have these, uh, the Flowmaster hose reels all through this building to where we pull this 100 foot hose out, it goes into the tank, uh, the, we turn on the utility sink, it sucks water. If I had that at my own home, oh. uh, I, the, the worst fear I would have is that I walk away and I drain my whole tank from suction rather than forgetting to you know, drain it on the floor. Yeah, uh, so for those of you who don't know, uh, what he's talking about is a retractable garden hose. Yeah. And so like it, it's a little coil thing that goes on the wall and you mm -hmm. pull it and then like any retractable thing, you kind of double notch it and it just goes back in. And, yeah. You know, it goes like 80 feet or something. They're like less than a hundred bucks, I think, out there somewhere. Yeah. So. And so for draining it, you just leave the hose on there and then uh, you can get uh, a couple of replacement pieces for the Python thing to be able to hook it up to the siphon and then hook it up so you can put something in the tank. Yeah. Uh, and to drain the tank, like a garden hose is just fine because it's not going to go in the tank. Mm -hmm. If you want to use it to fill the tank, uh, Zach here actually took one apart yeah. and uh, put a Python in it. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's kind of, you know, you know, dangerous because you these their machine yeah the machine puts them together and there's a spring loaded so i've tried to take one apart to fix a clog in it and i ended up we ended up having to order a new one oh. but right, i think well, uh, aaron's done it too uh taking he, them apart so if you're yeah. pretty careful about it you can be successful if you're handy uh you could probably do that if not then you just use it to suck it out yeah. uh you know it's uh it's it's pretty cool man uh and i just think that that thing, man, like really changed the way that we do water changes here in mm -hmm. the office. And after that, though, like after now that I got all this water change stuff, in, like out of water change, like we're just doses everywhere doing oh, water yeah. changes all over the place because like, man, you know what? Like, uh, you know, all the people that work here are super awesome resources. And like what they do here is worth like a water change is the worst possible use <laughs> I have for anybody inside these walls. Uh. Right. If this pump can replace uh, you know man hours of doing water yeah. changes mm -hmm. man and increase the quality of the results and isn't you know reliant on like seasonal you know busyness that mm -hmm. we have here uh, dude like they're going in everywhere you know uh, and like all the places that we could possibly put them in because it's just like so 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 much easier to maintain the quality of the tank without yeah. having to worry about that kind of stuff yeah all right well I think, I, I, think pulled, we'll, I think you pulled up your Instagram and is that my Instagram? Facebook. Facebook, the most recent one? Yeah. Softy All right, tank. Yeah, let it play, man. That's a softy tank. Oh, there you go. Good job. Oh, how cool is that? All right, so there you go. So that's a, a shot that I just took the other day of uh, the uh, uh, softy and polyp tank that's in, in my office. Covered. I mean, you can see that Mushrooms all those little frags, man, like 100% just covered in zoanthids and polyps and stuff like were you, were you using the uh the lens clip the polyp yeah so uh, that polyp lens clip i yeah. put on there so it doesn't look so crazy blue on camera but like man this is just like I, I i don't know i would imagine that most people would call this success and uh if we can uh, switch back maybe uh to us here or there we go wherever. i don't know which one we are all <laughs> right so uh you know I think that almost anybody would call that a success, you know, like, I'd, hey. I'd have that tank. Yeah, yeah, I'm, an, I'm an SPS head, but I'd take that tank, too. Especially if you do nothing, man. Like, it <laughs> For just sure. sits there and does success. Yeah. You know, you know, like, clean the glass. There's even an auto feeder, man. You don't even have to put food in it. <laughs> you know, uh, you feed the thing, put the food in it every two weeks. You yeah. know, so, uh, or two months, rather. You know, like, all I do is sit in my office and enjoy it. 
So that was like, another part. That was another aspect of making this. So you were said, what what do you do to make yourself an ultra low maintenance tank? Uh, even though regardless of softy LPS and SPS. So that's why the auto. You know, we talked about the auto feeder. Mm-hmm. Be feeding multiple times a day when I don't have to do it anymore. Yeah, everybody's uh, healthy, happy. Yeah, yeah, it's super easy. So yeah, man, absolutely. So maybe we'll answer some questions here. Uh, we got uh, just shared kind of it. And part of the reason I'm sharing this, man, is because like you know at at the end of shooting today is like, man, you know what this really felt like today when I was doing this episode was I kind of like going against like a lot of stuff we talked about oh, last the year. ULM? Yeah. yeah, like, oh, wait, man, water trains are important again. Like, mm-hmm. I thought they weren't important, yeah. man, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, man, we're just exploring the universe, you yeah. know, like, and we had some success with the Triton thing, man, let's roll the dice and like, uh, let's debate this as much as we possibly can, build a system that is, you know, you know, technologically should work mm-hmm. and then apply it, see what we can learn from it. And better yet, if we learn from it and we can share it with you guys, man, you know, hopefully we'll save, you know, hundreds, if not thousands yeah. of tanks down the road because you can learn from our lessons uh, and mistakes and apply them to your own tanks and have even more success. So, you know, for me, super awesome that way. Yeah. All right. So, like, uh, here, I don't know, let's pick up a couple we got, questions. We got a couple here. Uh, what's, I don't know. There, there we, we go. go. When Neptune tried it, uh, you know, I keep hearing from Terrence like all kinds of really good things that this thing's on the way, and he's like, you know, kind of offered to let me use one. I keep telling him no, I want to see the final thing. Yeah. You know, I don't want to see that, you know, near close because it just skews my opinion and mm-hmm. skews everybody here's opinion. So I'm trying to be super patient and just wait. But that, like that, man, that's going to be beneficial for a lot of things. You know, ultimate ULM, man. Yeah. Like, like. When I know my alkalinity and everything is on, like by the hour or whatever it does it, you know, probably not uh-huh. by the hour, but like, you know, the three times a day it's doing this thing. Uh, and I know my calcium and magnesium are on to a lesser degree. Uh, man, com- coupled with everything else and the alarms, man, like I know this tank is taken care of. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I mean, I could say I sleep at night, man, but it's not even on my radar of things to be concerned about. So that would be super awesome. And then for us also, like being able to test and stuff here mm-hmm. uh, internally will be a big thing. For sure. All right. Uh, how do you guys, we kind of hit this in the beginning, but uh, Vincent wants to know how you guys feel about the Triton Method ULM. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, we talked about this in the beginning, like you said, but, uh, you know, I, I don't, no, if I'd call the Triton method a ULM per se, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of close, you know, like I'm really the more and more and more I explore this. I think the no water change component of it is just like one little bit of something much larger. I mean, they're approaching nutrients they are approaching, yeah. you know, like all the Trace, major components minor, of major. maintaining mm-hmm. an aquarium and like. The cool little marketing bit of it is, hey, no water changes. Yeah. You know, but like you're gonna trade out the water changes for test kits. So yeah. uh, I don't know. So uh, again, man, like you could do no water changes and do the test kits, and it's not no water changes. It's just less. You mm-hmm. know, because you're still gonna have to do them. And when the thing says do three ten percent water changes, and if you don't because you had a mentality that this was my way to avoid water changes and just don't do them expect uh coral mortalities or at least stressed out corals because it'll probably happen Hmm. uh you got to listen to the thing so i don't know if i'd call it that but you know there's a reason like i said i was talking about this with terrence uh you know terrence is running the triton you know method at at his uh home and Mm -hmm. we're still running it here 
except for we're doing water changes in both cases. So Terrence told me he's doing water changes. Yeah. We're doing them here. So we actually just skipped the test kits, man. And like, I don't want to do the reports and stuff, but it's a really awesome four part that's formulated for use with the refugium, yeah. which is the only two or four part out there that does that. You know, nothing else is replacing iron and molybdenum or whatever at rates that a refugium does that. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's a system that absolutely works, and the, the, the water change piece is a, you know, you could wait for it, or you could just, you know, skip just that part it. and do the water changes. Even better if you can make it easier and automate them. True. All right. Uh, how expensive is a Triton test? Uh, Chris uh, Stark there. So uh, they're about 50 bucks a piece, Yeah. right? Uh, they might be a little cheaper in a pack or something. Yeah, you might. I think you get a slight discount for three or five pack or what have you. But for, I mean, for us, we were doing it monthly. Not a lot of people are probably going to do that, I would imagine. So no, yeah, kind of cost prohibitive. Yeah, so, but you know, like you said, if you, if you do water changes with the, just using the four part, I guess, uh, you know, following the Triton method, but doing the water changes, uh, then, you know, once a quarter, maybe, maybe less. I would probably implement the full, you know, Triton thing. This is just me personally. Uh -huh. uh, uh, probably at like the year two mark. Okay. Between zero and oh, know, yeah, two okay, years, true. I'm just going to do the damn water changes, yeah. man. And like, like uh, keep, you know, have a higher percentile, you know, chance at success. Mm -hmm. And I'll send in those test kits maybe every six months, you know, just kind of see, you know, make sure whatever I'm doing isn't totally out of whack. Right. You know, uh, whatever other thing I'm putting in the tank mm -hmm. isn't messing things up. So, yeah, uh, but they're about 50 bucks. And for what it's worth, there are cheaper ones out there. Uh, and like you can get different brands that will do it slightly cheaper. Uh, and I'll be honest, man, like I've seen a lot of people like try to test them against each other and send them all in and oh, decide yeah. like who, who's more accurate. But like the end of the day, man, you get two test kits here and one's, you know, something different than the other one. You cannot test against each other. Right. Like they, that, you have no idea which one's best. And the only thing I'll say is, you know, some of them are, you know, run in a lab environment and some of them are not. You know, mm. some of them are just kind of like run almost like uh, out of the back of your fish store or basement you know uh and like they may be awesome they may be but like if i'm gonna trust this thing i'm gonna probably go pay the other 10 bucks i'm already into this for you know 40 i might as well pay 50 and get the one from the guy who's been doing it for a decade because mm. this isn't easy you know we're looking into you know the parts per billion or even almost trillion right. in some cases and something like, way deeper than our hobby grade test kits yeah Easy. like i mean way deeper Night. than like even like if you wanted to go pay to have this done yeah. nobody will even you know certify it that low you know for this use they're really man digging is using experience and uh, you know in some cases some algorithms and stuff to get down as far as you possibly can to give us accurate reporting for a very you know kind of oddball specific need being right. you know reefing so seawater is really hard to do this with so like i would use the one i would use triton in every case and i can't tell you they're better or worse than anybody else but they're who i trust mm. you know so that that's who i would use personally all right uh there's a good question here from nick who asks uh how many gallons a day can you auto change a day with a neptune dose there you go. Um, so it's actually it works out to be I think the, the max capacity so far that I've seen in the uh, programming is 31 gallons a day or 30 little over 30 gallons a day. 
And that's, uh, you know, that's just broken down. When you go and program this thing in the tasks function, it'll automatically separate your, whether you're doing a, a manual water change is what they call it. When uh, you select your amount of gallons, you select the time period you want it done and you hit send. Uh, the, most I could, the most I could get through was like 30 to 31 gallons in a single day. And that's just like hitting the feed mode and walking away, it's gonna change 30, 31 gallons. Or you can do the continual water change like the ULM tanks, where, uh, what do you have that thing on? A gallon a day, maybe? Less or it's a little 3%. more? So 3%. So whatever 3% of 60, 60 is. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then that's just every single day, all day. And then what that, uh, what it does too is it, the motor on these, you know, inherently, uh, dosing pump motor, if it runs faster, it's going to be a little bit louder. If it runs slower, it's going to be quieter. Uh, so with the continuous water change, what I notice is I go back there and the head spin rather slowly. It's programmed for that small amount throughout the day and it just turns on and off. Uh, versus if I have this thing set to, you know, change 30 gallons today in 24 hours. When I hear the pump kick on, it's probably, it's most likely if it's in those higher volumes, it's really fast. So you might hear it. So, so these things spin at different speeds, yeah. you know, based on its actual need. So if I got really low, it will spin slow and be quiet. Mm. If it needs to max out at 30 gallons a day, man, it's worried, yeah. right? Uh, one of the things though is uh, you can get around that in your home environment, mm. uh, two things. One, I could set it up to only do the, uh, the water change during the day. While right? I'm gone? Yeah. yeah, while you're gone. Uh -huh. So it really doesn't matter if it makes any noise. And the second thing you can do is put the pump. It, it doesn't have to be next to the apex. You can just run a wire along with the tubing. They can like, go quite a ways, too. Yeah, like yeah. It, I can put it many rooms away, you know, uh -huh. like 50, 60. Maybe, I mean, I've heard as, as far as 100 feet. Yeah. So, like, you can, you know, put these things in a total different room, you know, where the water is yeah. rather than where the tank is mm -hmm. you know but i think most people just set it up to uh be you know on when they're not around yeah you know, or at night or whatever right? yep and, and i think now that uh you know if i if i probably would have had this in my in my own home i'd probably do the continue would you do continual water changes or when you th oh. remember it feed mode that continue for sure yeah because i'm one i'm probably not going to remember to turn it yeah, on i won't remember to do it it's quiet i just know it's happening every single day Constant. like yeah the, definitely the continuous thing so like if i was going to do the test test based water changes that that is only one yeah like so if the icp says tells you 10 percent water change go ahead push and button. the button mm -hmm. uh in that case it does 30. one of the things though that you can do man is like hey but like let's say i have like a you know, thousand gallon aquarium and 30 gallons just like ain't enough in a day right. for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you could pick up two of these things and do 60 in a day. That's true. Know? Double, like, the, double well, your I efforts. mean, if you got a thousand gallon aquarium, the cost of this pump is irrelevant to the equation. <laughs> That's like, true. Yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of money wrapped up in the, your, the cement you poured for the to support it <laughs> is worth more than that. So, uh, yeah. So there you go. Uh, what auto feeder do you like? Uh, you know, uh, the only one I'll use now is this guy, uh, the AFS from uh, Neptune, mm -hmm. and then the exact same carbon copy of this, which is the lifeguard the guy. Yeah, the IntelliFeed. Mm -hmm. Yep, and then the IntelliFeed comes in two options. One, you can AC, power at AC, which would be my recommendation because then you know that it's right. working. One of the thing about this thing is it only goes off once a day, and if it's not when you're around, like chances that you'll know the battery died are really low yeah like you have to like just kind of go test it every once in a while with the afs you'll you'll know because it'll spin it's always powered too mm -hmm. uh with a, a with the neptune one but like if you use a battery one which is nice because there's no cords 
you have to kind of get a pulse on like how often battery that life. battery's gonna yeah. go and it's gonna be based on how many times it goes off and rotations so just powering it with ac power is, is would be my preference mm -hmm. all the other ones like i just find really inconsistent results from so uh with the slider and you know how much yeah. actually comes out each rotation and stuff yeah, yeah. it's just really wonky so mm -hmm. like uh you know these aren't like you know error proof either but like uh they've been the best that i've used yeah i'm, I'm in agreement yep all right what else we got uh can you guys do a, can you guys do a video on how to replace that stock hose uh, hose recoiler eh. um well uh, I, I can we look into it but you might uh it's kind of like a one of those diy projects that like we don't, uh, I don't know if I would even like want to do that on my own because because you failed because I failed <laughs> and I can't uh, get the thing back together. Yeah, so. maybe though, man. Like I'll, I'll look into it. Like I want to make sure there's a reasonable degree of safety uh, right. before we go telling people to do that. Because even with a billion warnings, man, like uh, I don't want to be responsible for it in anybody. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll take a look at it. Uh, but you know there might be a you know thing out there already on, on how to do that. With Zach must have found that somewhere. Yeah, to do to do it, but yeah, like there's a really awesome tool, man, to be able to like you know pull the w water tube right there. But remember, well, like if you only need to pull water out, yeah, that's exactly. You know, you use say. the garden hose; it's on there yeah. already, right? Yeah. So we have two uh, specifically back here behind the camera, and one is to push water to the tanks, and that's the only one that we actually replaced. Uh, that's the only one that we actually replaced with silicone tubing with the python tubing, mm -hmm. uh, because for that very reason, like you're not. You're not sucking with the, or you're not pushing water in with the garden hose and all that other stuff. So, oh yeah, uh, oh, hey, well, maybe Dave's got a second camera, and uh, yeah, Ryan's uh, gonna. When he gets it ready, I'll go over there and show it to you real quick. We're gonna show it. We're gonna flip the camera. We've got two, this two new two camera system thing going on since we did the slap chop uh, fish DIY fish food last I week. Know. So we gotta use it. <laughs> all right, so I'm just gonna assume you can see me. Jen. Yeah, yeah, we can see you. All right, well, I hopefully you can hear me uh, over there. But yeah, so it's just this guy right here, and it just works like a normal garden hose. You know, so I can pull this thing out and bring it to where I'm ready to go. And so in the past, what happened for me is like you got this long tube coming out, and it's really, really hard to coil it back in. And it, I was getting kinked, and it's getting knotted, and like it's just a big pain in the butt. So like now the thing just coils back in. Part done, man. The so water change super, super easy. And then, like, maybe you can come down to this one real quick. Behind so, the scenes. This guy right here is a very similar thing, man. This one's just a garden hose, except for we screwed the uh, attachment onto the other end for the python, so I can put this end in the tank. And again, the garden hose, you don't want salt water going through it, because, you know, who knows what would go in the tank. But sucking out, no problem. And so now, again, man, I can suck water out, and no problem. Yeah, that... If, if I set up a tank in my house, I'm buying those for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they're going to do this or this or, or, or I'm going to buy those, oh, which leads it to a good point, too. And now that we now that everybody saw the storage tanks and stuff, I mean, auto water change reservoir or big water change station reservoirs. I mean, the you know, if you're going to be changing auto water change type stuff, you, you a, you know, a 40 gallon brute trash can is probably good for a couple different size for a smaller size tanks, maybe. Mm -hmm. But uh, sourcing some of these larger, you know, 65 gallon, the ones that you guys saw, that one's a 250 gallon tank. Uh, the one next to it's like a 90 or 100 gallon tank. Mm -hmm. um, but we found them, so you could, they're online, Norwesco, Norwesco uh, US Plastics. 
Uh, they are all for sale on different shapes, different sizes, all kinds of ones. Um, probably, you know, if you're going to look for some to go on a rack or, or big, large ones, the cone-shaped bottom is beneficial. So that way you can clean them out easier. Um, but and, we also and the top. Oh, so the like, plastic top. Yeah, a lot yeah. of them will have like a little screw, screw on dome type top thing, mm. and you don't want that. Like it. I mean, you guess you can do it if you want, but uh, having a whole open top here uh, mm. where you can, you know, remove uh, the whole top and then get inside of it yeah. to, to clean it is super super valuable. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we, you might be able to find these things locally. Uh, you and I went yeah, Ron, plumbing supply. Yeah, Ryan and supply. I went down to a, a place like a plumbing supply place, and they have just tanks all sizes outside uh we found the 300 gallon system uh, tank that we use for the auto water change system for all the other tanks in the front so, so. you can use a big container depends on the size of your tank yeah. and it depends on how, how long you want to fill them too you True. know like how, how 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 many times like can i fill it every two weeks i'm gonna fill it every month uh, i try to like if i'm gonna go through the you know process of an auto water change i'm gonna try to get a month to use out of it so that it you know fills the desire but even if I could only had to do it every two weeks, now what I'm doing is dumping some salt in there and mixing it up and I'm done. And walk away. Yeah, like I'm not hailing buckets around, True. you know. And like in this, this week's video, one of the things I talk about is like a five gallon bucket, hailing that around is the cheapest option. But in my case, man, it was by far the most expensive because two Time. times, man, I've destroyed my floors doing that. Oh, yeah. Right? So, like, I get salt water on the floors, and it's inevitable because I'm just a sloppy person. Well, it also depends on what you pay yourself, uh, what you no. value your time at. Yeah, your time, uh, for your sure. your off time. But, like, I've destroyed wooden floors. So, if you have wooden floors, if you can do an auto yeah, water change and I never take water in or out of the tank, uh, the chances that you protect your floors and save just thousands of dollars, like, up. yeah, go at almost in certain certainty. Tank insurance. Yeah. And so, like, I would definitely think about that. It might be too late already yeah. for you. And you might be saying, damn it. Anyway, <laughs> I wish I would have known. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, so, calling buckets around. And, and I'll just say, actually, scooping water out of the tank and, tr you know, creating siphon and stuff at the tank mm. is also very often way more messy than mm. pouring water in so even if you can only get a retractable guy to uh, pull the water out right. uh, you know you're probably at a really big uh, you know big savings and the, and the real reason man like is time man because like like if I'm gonna go and do a, a water change on a Sunday afternoon or whatnot at my house if I know I can get it done inside of 20 minutes like I'm so much more likely to do it than if I know that every time I do this, it takes me an hour. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, you know, you should do it. So most of the time you will, but like you just end up skipping. Mm. And, it, and if everything doesn't fall apart, you end up skipping more until it falls apart. Yeah. You know, which is bad news. So like I, I try to stay away from that. All right, so what else we got here? See if we can find a, a ULM type question. Is we're kind of leaning into water, water changes. changes. <laughs> we gotta have a we have to have stuff to talk about next Monday. Uh, I mean, oh, so yeah, there we go. Is uh, is there a benefit to ICP testing on a regular basis, and would it help ULM? I think we we talked about this a little bit too, but um, you know, on a regular basis, uh, you after seeing what we a monthly type thing with the 160 here that we were doing it monthly, uh, and would it help as ULM? 
you know, as far as like if you were going to do a water change based system uh, along with, you know, like uh, if you're going to do a testing based system along with water changes like we started doing with Triton, uh, regular ba uh, regular testing, the re as regular testing as I do is probably like maybe at minimum once or at most once a quarter. Like once every three months, I want to see how my tank chemistry is doing. And, you know, the cost of that, like a $50 test every three months is not much at all. So one of the things about it is if you feel the need to do this every month right uh, it's inherently flawed because it takes two weeks to get the results mm, you know and so like if whatever I'm doing is so messed up that every month they need to keep track of it you know or the tanks so new and so unstable mm. this is a bad way to do this right and so uh, however if what I'm doing is checking on what I'm doing the cumulative effects of what I'm doing every three months right being two weeks off is irrelevant like it doesn't yeah okay whatever yeah the only thing that like the one thing i wish they would do is get rid of the calcium magnesium component of it in there because th that number is totally irrelevant you know oh, two okay. weeks later like right. calcium could be anything two weeks from the day that i test sent it in yeah it's also like inherently not the greatest tool to try to measure that high and that low at the same time parts per trillion and you know parts per you know 800 or 400 parts per million mm -hmm. it just doesn't it's not that accurate so uh i would just actually remove that i think it actually causes more problems mm -hmm. for them than anything but uh yeah I, I don't know so if you had to do it every month man like i i got questions as to like what the benefit is does it help keep it more ULM? I think it, it promotes mad scientist syndrome too. If you have to do it every month. Well, if you're doing it every month, man, like it is gonna, you know, start telling you to dump, you know, random mm. stuff in left and right. Which is not at low maintenance. Yeah, no, yeah. no way, no way, low maintenance. And one of the things about it is too is like you're dumping it in like that. Like these test kits are not perfect, you know, and so like. You know, they are the best window into mm. the quality of the water that we've ever had in reefing since I've been in it uh, by like a huge magnitude, but they're not perfect. So yeah. like the reality is, is if I send it in today and I send one in, you know, two weeks from now, it'll probably be a little bit different. And so like it just, I don't know if I'd be acting on them like that basis, you know, every four weeks and, and on a long enough time scale, like, if I was going to, like, play mad scientist like that for, you know, many years, I'm going to screw it up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no question, man. Huh. So, like, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't use it like that, personally. All right. Okay. Uh, I have a ULM question. I'm thinking of starting the Triton method on my reef. Here we go with the Triton right. one. Uh, what are your thoughts regarding combining this with a calcium reactor? Love your show. And that's from Steph in the UK. All right. So that was one of the things that we were thinking about is yeah. like, hey, man, like instead of using, I mean, it's not really the Triton method anymore. If you did, yeah. Once you deviate from like the Triton method, then it's your own method with some. It's a calcium reactor and a refugium. Yeah. Which is viable, which is what we're going to do in here in our, in yeah. when we pull off a of Triton. <laughs> yep. So it's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, it is not, I would not call my calcium reactor and right. uh, the refugium the Triton method no. by any stretch of the imagination. But there's uh, benefits still in some of the Triton stuff, like the tests. We're, we're still going to send in Triton tests. Yep. Um, there are trace elements. And, well, we're going to also find out from uh, like what trace elements, if, and there probably are, what trace elements come from a calcium reactor and dissolving media too. But... Uh, yeah, it's probably we'll still send in Triton test. We'll still run the refugium. Uh, our flow, our turnover is going to be different than the Triton method. So I'll tell you that I don't think that with the Triton method, like 
or not tried method, but what the method we're going to run isn't going to be reliant on sending those test kits in. No. But, like, we might just for fun. I don't know, like, but I don't because we're on auto water changes, man. And we're using tried and true, you know, methods here. Yeah, like the value of a. I don't know, man. Like we all survived before, you know, ICP. So, true. You know, the big thing will be, you know, if if I maintain three percent water changes daily, mm. like the amount of stuff, man, chemistry related stuff that's in the tank that's going to go wrong, like you know cuts down to like one percentile issues right. you know like major major failure somewhere in there like you'll probably be somewhat depleted and somewhat elevated in certain things man but like it will not be in a any catastrophic area yeah you know so uh i, I don't know so i guess answering so that question it's a calcium reactor with refugium not the triton method yeah. yeah. In, in fact, man, I, I guess I'll even say that's true of when we did the Zeovit method on mm -hmm. here. Because we ran the refugium, it wasn't really the Zeovit method. No, it was our own method. It was a little bit of a hybrid. Using some of the Zeovit stuff. It was like, in that case, though, like 95% Zeovit. It was. It was like a little bit of a change. But, like, you know, the, the, you know, the thing about those systems is, like, they're repeatable, high percentile, you know, success systems if you follow them. Yeah. If you mad scientists and create your own, like you're the trailblazer, get ready, man. You know, hold on to your seat and see what happens. You know, uh, and so the goal, you know, you got to decide for yourself, man. Am I like, am I a trailblazer and that's part of the hobby for me, which mm -hmm. is totally okay, or do I just want a super awesome tank in my house? If you just want a super awesome tank in the house, just like follow other people Simple, and you will be successful. <laughs> and then, you know, if you want to trailblaze from there on, you know, feel free. Yeah. Uh, all right. So what else we got here? Uh, there's another UL on, on the top here. Would you consider a tank with zero nitrate and 0 0.0 phosphate ultra low nutrient, nutrient system? Okay. So I'm just going to go out here and say, uh, what did we call it the other day? Ultra low nitrate. So U-L-N-P-S, yeah. right? Ultra low nitrate and phosphate system. Not necessarily nutrient because we're talking fatty acids. We're talking proteins, amino acids, talking bacteria, all this. Yeah, like, like zooplankton, right. you know, all kinds of stuff. So like I can have a tank like a Zeovit system or any other system and we're like I'm promoting, you know, tons and tons of bacteria as a mm. food. I'm dosing amino acids. I'm dosing all kinds of particulate foods. I'm doing all this stuff. That is a super high nutrient uh, uh, tank. Right. But ultra low nitrate and phosphate. Right. Pretty like, much what like the 160 is on. Pretty much. I mean, yeah. with that refugium takes our nitrates and phosphates to nitrate undetectable levels and phosphates in that like 0 0.05, 0 0.06 range, which you can you'd consider ultra low nutrient. But we dump food down this tank's gullet uh, and all exactly. kinds of stuff. So absolutely true. So would I consider that with 0 0.5 uh, phosphate ultra low nutrient system? Uh, I guess I would, man. At zero nitrate and zero, like, not nutrient, but ultra low nitrate and phosphate. Like, yeah. you know, at 0 0.5, man, you're pretty low, like, uh, phosphorus or phosphate in there. I mean, like, you know, people are looking for, like, what, 0 0.03? Somewhere. You know, so, like, a couple points beyond them, I and you're really on the edge of the test kits uh, margin of error you mm. know uh or uh, i'm assuming you're using a colorometer actually at that point and the test kit who knows man like i, I wouldn't even believe the number you have hmm. uh so but with a colorometer to, to measure the color for you uh I, I would call that you start getting much higher than that and i, I guess i wouldn't call it but who cares what you call I mean, it I'm, 
I my personal take on on ultra well, my personal understanding back when when I first started uh, on ultra low nutrient was attack everything ultra low ultra uh, attack everything nitrate and phosphate uh, GFO carbon dosing whatever it took uh, and also limited feeding so there's that didn't really play well into the health of my tank so there's like ultra low nitrate phosphate but also feed your tank type balance you know that you're yeah, might we trying to achieve there. So I'm going to say, man, I think in many ways, I mean, I hate to say this, like, I hope I'm not a traitor or something, but like <laughs> the Europeans tend to be a little, you know, further along in this than, mm. than we uh, in Aquarius. Mm. And like, uh, you know, we don't always recognize like why that is. And like people always question stuff and whatever. And like, look at the Zeovit system. And when I started, man, everybody kind of like was, you know, at least in our club here, we like felt like it was like snake oil or something, you know, and like it wasn't clear on what they're trying to do or why. Right. And like, you know, people debating the merits of ultra low nutrients. Uh-huh. And like, I don't know if Zeovit ever even called itself ultra low nutrients. Maybe like the community did, right, you know, right, like, right. because now, man, you look at it and you know what it is, is natural seawater, nitrogen and phosphorus levels or really close to super high nutrients. Yeah. I mean, you're dosing all kinds of amino acids that, you know, the zeo rocks are designed to promote tons of bacterial mm-hmm. uh, flock for the corals to capture and feed off. And, like, you know, there's actually a, a ton, a ton of nutrient in the tank, just super low nitrogen and, or uh, nitrate and phosphate, oh, yeah. uh, you know, dissolved in the water, which is very similar to natural seawater. So, like... Uh, you start to look at it like, well, hey, man, you know, the benefits of that is, A, they're getting, you know, food, very similar sources that they mm-hmm. get in the ocean. And then also low nitrogen and phosphorus means, like, I'm not going to have as much algae yeah. crap in the tank. You know, so, like, hey, man, there's, like, a really good reason as to why this was working. I wasn't you know, starving my tank to get there. Yeah. yeah. So, like... And, you know, the Germans didn't want to, like, give out all of his secrets and spell it out 100% for you. But, like, you know, there's a reason why so many thousands of people are doing this and why it's two decades old, you know. Yeah. So, you know, probably more. You know, like, I, the Zeovit thing's been around since before I entered the hobby. Mm. So, like, why this is so successful globally. Yeah. Uh, and in America, man, we're just, like, so used to having, you know, shilly, snake oily products out there uh, that, like, we just kind of repel if you don't tell me how it works, <laughs> True. you know. Yeah. And so in this case, you know, I, you know, I, I wish they would have spelled it out a little bit. But as you dig more and more into it, you're like, oh, I get it. Makes and sense. Well, makes total sense why this would work, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, Awesome. Uh, take a couple what's the next more? one? We made it. Yeah, oh, we're at 4 o'clock here. We'll take a few more and just uh, yeah, close sure. out the ULM stuff. You know, any questions you might have, you know, like we spent, like, you know, better part of a year talking about trying to get to low maintenance. And, you know, again, what we found was, you know, start with low maintenance corals, uh, like softies yeah. and polyps, and you'll be successful. LPS probably be, uh, you know, successful. SPS, down just, the road, it's a you bad can make idea. more low maintenance, yeah. but not... You can always reduce maintenance with an SPS tank. Over time. Over time. But, like, starting it with uh, I'm going to have a low-maintenance SPS tank is, like, a, you know, you know, not a good mentality. Like, it, is it possible? For sure. But I mean, like, you could probably do it. It's yeah. just a poor mentality to start with mm. and, like, not a high percentile, you know, repeatable thing to do. Right. All right. So a couple more. So ULM Re- Eli is wondering, ULM Recap, from what I remember, the SPS was basically a failure. Uh, what would you do differently? Or do you th- even think it's possible to set up an SP? We just answered that, I guess, <laughs> yeah, uh, from, as a ULM from the start. Uh, what would you do differently? Okay, so if I wanted that thing to be a success, yeah. uh, what I would have done differently 
is set it up on you know again we're low maintenance here so i would have mm -hmm. set it up on auto water changes yeah. uh and i probably would have been a little aggressive in the beginning and then i just scaled back over time and i'm pretty certain it would have been a success mm. and i could have you know weaned it off of all of that but it actually had for a 60 gallon tank man it had like so much gear on it yeah i think that i we over engineered it <laughs> and like made it more complicated than it really needed to be weird uh, I mean, there's a uv sterilizer on it there's yeah. two pump two pumps on it one the external one internal pumps and stuff external yeah. external skimmer refugium lights we had the t5 bulbs the four uh, mp4 mp10s yeah it, it, we over engineered it man right. there's no question man we were like really trying to like shoot for the moon with yeah. this thing you yeah. know and you know uh, the one thing I'd really like to know, actually, in terms of ULM that we never really got to, was will the UV sterilizer mm. like reduce the times that uh, frequency I need to clean the glass? That's good. Because that, if that is the case, mm. there was a lot of people that would run UV. Oh yeah, right. Like if you could change clean the glass from you know daily or uh, every other day or every three days to every week, mm. uh, enough for a reason for me to do it yeah you know like I, I would do it in a heartbeat just for the only that reason so yeah uh i don't know like so if i had to do it man would i, I would have never ever ever tried to do uh water changes based on a test kit in the mm -hmm. beginning i think that's stupid and i i wouldn't have done that for like two years mm -hmm. uh and that would have been at but at that point man like it this thing isn't ulm for two years i don't even think you can call it ulm I no mean, it's like a path to a lower maintenance sps tank right but it is not it's a not low maintenance ULM. tank yeah. like low maintenance tank means target a different species of corals mm. it can be lower maintenance sps than other sps but it's not a low maintenance tank mm -hmm. uh and eventually like a lot of these tanks just sustain themselves so three four or five years down the road they're so robust that they tend to like just kind of take care of themselves yeah. uh, to some degree mm -hmm. maybe you get there but like I just wouldn't have done it, man. I, what I learned out of this is if you want to have a really uh, awesome low uh, maintenance tank, use a different species of coral as your primary source, one that doesn't require a lot of maintenance. There you go. All right, let's, let's, let's keep going here for just a couple. Let's yeah. see what it, all the ULM ones and then we'll call it a day. Uh, uh, this is this kind of brings up an interesting conversation in here. Uh, at what rate would nitrate accu accumulate if you had no Cato or no water changes on the BRS-160? Uh, and this kind of feeds into mm. your your discussion about new tanks versus old mature tanks and their ability to uptake some of this stuff on their own biologically, like through the yep. biomass in there. Uh, it definitely would rise if we didn't do any water changes and we shut the refugium off. Uh, there would be an uptick. Uh, it would probably be much less gradual uptick than, say, this tank was within its first year two years well i'll tell you we turned off the refugium you know to like three just days. a matter of hours a day and yeah. three days a week three so like week. most of the nitrate and phosphate uptake is uh still happening probably just the coral still mm. right uh so you know if i had to do it uh, differently in the future one of the things i think we'll we'll learn over the next you know year or two will be you know tuning the refugium to our needs right mm -hmm. and so they're like in the past you know it was like there's this evolution of knowledge so we like had those light bulbs you got from home depot you know those were garbage you know sorry home depot but you weren't really selling these for the application <laughs> anyway uh you know like a five dollar bulb was going to do five dollars worth of results and, and it know? did it grew <clears throat> like there was growth Ish. but it's five dollars yeah. worth of results i mean nobody even really was talking about refugiums because nobody was having this kind of success exactly with them, you know? yeah, it's just like because like 
yeah, you could have one, but like it needs to be like super mega huge to work. And turns out it doesn't need to be super mega huge to work. Yeah. You just need to have the right kind of light source for it or energy hitting it, you know. So like I could have, you know, a really low amount of energy hitting a giant one or I could have a high amount of energy hitting like a normal size that would fit underneath my stand, you know, uh, and uh, they'll achieve the same things. Maybe this one actually even better, Yeah. you know. So, But one of the things I think you're going to find is that you can actually tune these things. Oh, so yeah. I like I was I'm pestering the Kessel guys uh, constantly to give me an adjustable version and of the H three eighty. Yeah, I yeah. don't know if it's going to come or not in the near future, but mm. like actually doesn't sound like it sadly. But uh, you know, uh, probably other companies like uh, AI who just came out with one, yeah. uh, and I think the uh, Radeon will probably come out with one. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. And you're going to be able to adjust the intensity. And so I think what you're going to find is, hey, man, uh, actually my refugium works too good. I want to have some kind of measurable nitrate and phosphate. Yeah. Well, instead of running this thing at 100%, I'll run it at 70. Or instead of running it at 50%, I'll run it at 20%, mm-hmm. you know, or, or whatnot. And probably what will happen, actually, is you'll buy this thing and you'll want to run it at like 80 100% when you first start the tank. And as you get more and more corals in the tank, you're just going to wean off the tank's reliance mm-hmm. on this type of filter because it just doesn't need it as much as it used to. Right. Uh, you know. Man, if we can, if I, if I can tell, if I can say, hey, I, I can now adjust my nitrate and phosphate level to right exactly where I want it to be, given my rec, like every day I'm feeding the tank the same thing, same thing every day, same size, same portion. Uh, so it's, it's, I don't see why this isn't as dialable or you able to dial in like a calcium reactor so if you move in pieces there's switches Actually, you know there's man, like co2 there's flow rate you know there's ph there's all this other stuff uh but if i can turn my nitrate and phosphate you know export into the same type of thing i mean there's no reason to believe that this won't be the most tunable nutrient yeah. solution you can put on your tank oh, that's awesome like yeah like all the rest of it my skimmer works doesn't like, work whatever. i might shut my skimmer off for a couple yeah. days i don't the know what it's going to do carbon dose mm. semen like i you know like it's really hard to get it into a range that does this exactly and uh, you know like yeah. nobody really knows if they're overdosing carbon or not yeah. and like you know like it there's so much mystery like increasing rate or, or decreasing the rate of photosynthesis with my Turn up the light. Turn down the light. That's yeah, easy. yeah, That's dude. Easy. I, I hopefully it'll be that easy. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, you know, I'll Let's see here. You will. Um, can you have a refugium and an LG scrubber? I don't know why you would, I don't but know you why could. You would either. I mean, they might compete with each other. I mean, you might have a refugium for you know microfauna purposes if that's what you're trying to achieve there, rather than yeah. and you don't. Well, necess- why do I need the? Well, discovery. maybe you don't necessarily need the light a refugium in an effective way where it's going to be my primary means of. But not- it's already there. Well, I. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't I? I don't know. Uh, You could, man. You could run both. One might compete with the other one. I'm just trying to uh, think out loud why I would want to have both. Mm. Uh, I guess if one wasn't keeping up, man, uh, then I could, you know, put another one on, Mm. you know. I could see a reason for it. So in my 125-gallon tank long time ago, uh, on the other side of a retaining wall, I set up another 20-gallon long tank, and it was my display refugium tank Mm -hmm. that fed off of the sump. So I had, you know, the nice, you know, the various different types of algaes, like a whole bunch of different ones, completely not intended to be any type of 
uh, nitrate phosphate export. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe in that case, I would all have, I could see a reason to have like a, a scrubber or something so like that. If the refugium is like a show refugium. Yeah, yeah sure. absolutely. All right, let's pull out one more and call it a day. Okay. All right. Uh, how, oh, here is a good one. How unreef sink do you think that stock hose is that's the hose in reel. the hose? I think it's the stupidest idea I've ever seen, man. If Don't, you're going to yeah, push water through yeah, it. Push water. Uh, I mean, it explicitly states that it's toxic to a human being. <laughs> uh, you know, don't drink out of this thing. Huh. Uh, and it's got brass fittings on it. Yeah, and corrodes like, super fast. Yeah, like. Uh, don't do this. And I, I, I mean, I, I don't mean to insult you when I say the stupidest thing ever. I just like, that's the severity I feel of, like, don't, don't do that, man. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, yeah, brass fittings and like whatever's in the hose, man, mm. like it, it says toxic to humans. And I'll, I'll just say like, you know, the most of the times the water in here, like what's good enough for drinking is toxic to the fish. Oh like, yeah, for sure. I mean, so you think about RO water and DI water and all that nonsense that we're using here. Like most of us are drinking water out of the tap filled with chlorine yeah, and nope. like, you know, chemicals that would absolutely kill everything in the tank. So if the thing says it kills people, like assume sensitive <laughs> things like coral double dead, right? Uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't do that. Yeah. All right, man, we'll call it a day. So if you learned something about the ULMs today, yeah. uh, you know, like I got a you know good idea about like what we were doing, why we're doing it, you know, why some of the today's information is a little different than some of the information we did last year. Yeah, uh, we learned a lot. Yeah, yeah, man, we learned, I mean, we learned. We're gonna learn a lot more too, because we've got a lot of these tank trial type things and yeah. more investigates coming up, you know, a bunch of different things. So I'm sure this won't be the last time that something like that we learned. I, you know, I was just talking to, uh, we got a new marketing director in here today, or like last week, Jeff. And he's like, you know, he came from the radio control world, you know, like uh, RCA planes and stuff. And he's like, yeah, so, you know, you guys this stuff here, what you do, which just doesn't fly there because you, you know, eventually just figure out how to fly this thing. And like, yeah, here, we figure out how to fly this thing again new every Into year. Into the ground. You know, Into like, the ground. <laughs> yeah, man. Like every year, like you're like, I thought I knew it all. You know, like, oh man, I thought we finally got a grasp on this. And yeah. then, you know, like, uh, man, like something new comes out and, you know, you apply the knowledge and, you know, we, a whole industry tends to do this, you know, react, overreact, react, overreact. Yeah. And we try to find like some middle ground. And I think through the hybrid series with uh, uh, WWC, we're finding a lot of that middle ground. Right. So like hopefully the, you know, swings will get less and less and within the whole community. But like, yeah, I mean, it is uh, definitely a learning curve all the time. We learn something new every year and we apply it and do our best. And speaking of BRS WWC, it's water changes for yep. 40 minutes. Yeah, I don't know. If it, how long is it? 10 been? pages? I don't know. Oh, yeah. He wrote uh, 10 pages on auto on water changes, so we'll have that. I know, Friday. man. It's crazy. I'm like, how do you sit down like eight every year, every week, man. I'm like, oh, Dave, it's just water changes, man. It'll probably be like four or yeah. five pages on that. Easy money. We'll yeah, be talking yeah, water changes this so time much to next say. week. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it's, it's just a water change, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, but who knew? All right. Well, we'll see you next week or see you Friday. And uh, we'll see you live see you next again week, uh, next Friday. Monday. Yeah. All right. Take care, guys.